Welcome to the Pop Culture Pod Podcast. Now let's begin. I am your host, my name is Chris Lockhart, and I am joined by two of my co-hosts in crime this evening. First up, we got Ragnar. How's it going, Ragnar? Well, it's going quite well, and hello out there, everyone. And last but not least, we have Lillian Knelson. How are you, Lillian? We are doing better, because I'm with you guys. Excellent. Excellent. And um, as I mentioned on the Geek Followed episode... Uh, that came out just before this one. Uh, Kevin may be joining us this evening. I'm, he, I'm not sure, but he may be joining us. Um, all right. For this episode of the Pop Culture Pub, we are talking about flaws in our favorite pop culture. So this is pop culture that we like. We enjoy it. But there's, there's just a little something that kind of bugs us. That, you know, just we wish wasn't there or would be corrected. Um, so I'll, I'll kick it off just, Oh, and, uh, we're going to be picking two. And then at the end of our two, we're going to be doing a lightning round of, uh, of things, uh, of our favorite geek properties, but that have flaws that drive us nuts. Um, so first up, I'm going to be talking about the Sopranos. Uh, the Sopranos is um, one of my favorite TV series of all time. Um, it, you know, I, I really think uh, the guy who played Tony Soprano, James Gandolfini, is one of the greatest actors who ever existed. Unfortunately, he passed away. I want to say in 2013, yet he unfortunately passed away. I think he was only in his early 50s, too. He was very young. Um but he had, he had a heart attack. Um, but I, I like, I find myself on, like, I haven't done a rewatch of the series in a long time, but I find myself on YouTube watching scenes from the Sopranos. Cause I love it so much. Um, and, and the acting is so, so amazing. Um, but one thing that always used to drive me nuts about the Sopranos was when they would do dream episodes or sequences in shows like where uh like the season two finale uh tony is having fever dreams because he's he got food poisoning and he's having dreams 
um, you know, that are absurd and, you know, uh, there's a talking fish, you know, in, in the scene. And I, I remember thinking like, really, this is the season two finale. Like, this is what you guys are doing. Um, I mean, it got much better towards, you know, halfway through the episode, but the dream sequences almost took me out of it. Um, and then in season six, um, spoilers for, for anyone who hasn't watched the Sopranos, but, uh, well, actually, no, first, season five, there's an episode where half the episode is a dream sequence. And, like, the, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan of dream sequences. Um, I, I just find, I really think they're just uh, writers being lazy. Because you know, in a dream sequence, you can literally do anything. To me, it, it's one of the one of the things I find annoying about Star Trek Voyager is all the holodeck episodes. I don't mind a, an, an occasional holodeck episode, you know, like on Deep Space Nine when when they you know did our man Bashir. Um, I thought that was fantastic. Uh, you know, it, it's you know they're doing like the James Bond thing, but when you do holodeck episodes on the regular i just find it's no it's not fun anymore um and i find it's just lazy and i find dream sequences in any tv show i i just think it's lazy writing um uh in season six tony gets shot and he's in a coma for I want to say at least two full episodes and you know there's sequences where he you know they're showing you know him and his dreams and and all this other stuff and I'm thinking to myself this would have been the perfect opportunity to to show other characters you know like and you know bring the attention to them because James Gandolfini he was Tony Soprano he was in every episode he was the main character of the series so it would have been I think a nice change to take him out of the picture for a couple episodes and focus on the other actors and the other characters and them trying to carry on with in his absence uh which they kind of did in the non-dream sequence parts but it was very uh under done like the dream you know like i the dream sequences just took me out of those episodes um yeah and and the sopranos like i said they did they did it well at least for four episodes um where you hit or in the in in the season five episode that i mentioned they brought up they brought back a bunch of actors who are no longer on the show actors who you know whose characters have been killed off or whatever so in a way, it was kind of neat to see all these actors coming back f to the show, but at the same time, it felt kind of cheap because um, that's not realistic. Like I would sooner, I would sooner see them come back in a flashback scene than a dream sequence. And I'm not big on the old flashbacks either, unless they actually contribute to the story. So anyway. Yeah, Flashbacks can get overused a lot. Yeah, they can. They they can. Uh, but I would sooner take a flashback than a dream sequence for, like, yeah, for uh, myself. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you know, like I said, Sopranos is one of my favorite shows. I love it. 
Uh, I still watch scenes. There's still thing like, honestly, I think James Gandolfini is probably my favorite actor of all time. Like he's so amazing. Um, and, and, uh, but those dream sequence episodes, ugh, I just, I, I hate them. I hate those episodes. Even though some of the, you know, the end, you know, like I said, the season two finale, like it had a very powerful end to it, but the dream sequences, I, I just remember watching it for the first time thinking, why are you guys doing this? Like this, ugh. But anyway, that's my first one. Uh, Ragnar, what, what's the first up on your list? Well, I, I hate it when you watch a show and then on the next season, they reinvent stuff. So one of the most egregious examples of this, for me anyways, was the show Trailer Park Boys. Hmm. Yep. Every season, they reinvented just about everything. So, for example, Bubbles, right? Mm-hmm. Not really in season one. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, he's our best friend, and he's been our best friend since childhood, and he's always been there. Yeah. And they, they every season they just did stuff like that. And I know why they did it, to make the show funny, because they would do it cause, you know for the bit, for the joke. Yeah. But it had no continuity. And every season they would reinvent something from the past or change something from the past or change a character and it just drove me nuts. There was just no continuity. And I'm like, I don't care that it's a comedy show. I still want that continuity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that always bothered me. Now, other lots of shows have done that. This one, Trailer Park Boys, was just the worst for it. Every season, just a complete reinvention. The only constants are, are basically Ricky and Julian and that they're always trying to get rich and that they always fail at it. Yeah. And other than that, all the rest of the characters and the settings and the story change. And, you know, they, you know, in this season, they say this is what happened. And then in the next season, oh, no, no. When we were kids, it was actually this thing happened instead. And they were just always reinventing themselves. And I think because it was a comedy, most people don't care. But I, I do, damn it. <laughs> well, so uh... I, I really, I just hate when shows do that. I, if you create a character and then later on you realize the character should have been this way, you can't just change it. You have to now mm-hmm. make things happen to get the character to be that thing you want them to be. Or you have to just go, well, that would have been great, but it's too late. We've already gone this direction. And I just hate it when they try to you know, sneak stuff in as if the audience is stupid and we're not going to notice. Yeah, that, I, I I agree with you completely. I hate when that happens. But the funny thing with Trailer Park Boys, I don't think I ever watched the first season. I remember, I think it was oh, season, well, season yeah. three when I started watching it. Um, I I tell people when I you know I, if I'm talking to somebody about the show and they've never seen it, yeah, I say don't don't watch season one. Just start at season two, and season two, three, four, five, and six are the best seasons. They're the funniest and, and the, the best overall. Yep. And then if you really enjoy that, then you can watch the rest because you'll still enjoy it. But really, the, the golden years was those those seasons in the middle, season two to six. 
Because season seven was pretty boring, and season one is, especially when you've seen the other seasons, when you watch it, you're like, they had no idea what the hell they were doing here. Yeah, like I, like I said, like that's funny because I had no idea that Bubbles wasn't like a regular. Yeah, he he was a sound man. He worked on the crew. <clears throat> huh. Um, and during season one, whenever there'd be downtime, he would do the character of Bubbles just to entertain the crew. Yeah. And then eventually somebody saw it and went, well, fuck, we should just throw this character in. And then the character was so well received that they decided to go back and pretend like, you know, oh, he's always been their childhood best friend because, yeah. you know, this character is so beloved. He can't just be a throwaway character. Yep. So, yeah. But, yeah, he's he, he was involved with the production on season one, but he did not appear in it. Well, I know... Um... Like, whenever you hear somebody yelling in the trailer park, like, shut the, f you know, yeah, shut that, the F off, Marky, that's him, yeah. Even even yeah. if it's him, like, that's getting yelled at, it's it's him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, if it's yeah. Bubbles getting you yelled at. someone yell off camera. Yeah. yeah. It was always him. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah, um, and as far as the movies, I don't, the one I liked was Countdown to Liquor Day. Um, the other ones I didn't really care Yeah, for. that was the better one, for sure. I, okay, so then I think it was the second movie that the the don't legalize it or whatever. Yeah, they introduced Bubbles' parents, and his parents leave him a school bus to live in instead of a shed. Yeah, and it's been you know it's been converted into a motorhome, and then in the next season, oh no, he lives in a shed again. Yeah, and I was like, well then why did you make this stupid movie and make half the plot about Bubbles finding out who his parents were if you were just going to then completely ignore that in the new season? Well, I think that like, was the... I Bubbles think that, living in a school bus is just as funny as Bubbles living in a shed. It, it's not less funny. I think that was the first movie, wasn't it? Because doesn't Ricky end up with... Didn't they get, like, a big actress to play his girlfriend or something? Yeah, the, fir the first movie is the one where they're trying to steal the ball of coins. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then they just they, don't they mention had a, her? Yeah, they had a budget, and they had... Had a couple like actual Hollywood actors and stuff in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then the, so the second movie, the next movie is the one where it's like Ricky's going to Ottawa to try to convince them not I... to legalize marijuana because then he won't be able to sell the weed illegally. What was or was Countdown the Liquor Day the second one? Because I think the that the marijuana one was oh, the third one. Oh man. Because well, anyways, the movies. In case you couldn't take it away, the movies aren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, I count down to Liquor Day. I remember that being good. That's the one where they take the the permanent marker, like they shave uh, what's his name's head, um, Randy, and then they they draw like a like hair on his head. Oh yeah, and I think I think that's the one where where. Uh, uh, Randy leaves Mr. Leahy and then like he's hooking for cheeseburgers and then he gets taken down by those cops like when they go to bust uh, all the all the prostitutes and you see him running in high heels yeah yeah oh yeah yeah okay so I just read it just google it there are three movies the first one was called the movie and yep. that was the one where they're trying to steal the ball full of money yep the second one is countdown to liquor day Yep, that's the and one then I the like. Third one is don't legalize it. Yeah, that one was like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then they made a bunch of stuff on the SwearNet network, which was online only, including a, like basically a movie. Yep. And then it went to Netflix, where they did, I think, three seasons, two or three seasons. Yeah. And I, then they did that. And then when John Dunsworth died, they switched it to being an animated show so that they could still have Mr. Leahy be in it by just recycling old clips. Yeah. And then I don't know if they've done anything since then or not. I know they do commercials because I know uh, they were in a curling commercial this year. Um, yeah. I forget what it was for, but I just remember them curling. But anyway... Yeah, they they have a comic book series, and they're doing the they're actually on the the Canadian Comic Con circuit this year. They were at yeah. Vancouver, and they're going to be at Calgary. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I would definitely like to meet them. That's for sure. I think it'd be. Yeah, I I got to meet them years and years ago. They were doing something with the Edmonton Rush, the lacrosse team, who oh, are okay. now the Saskatoon Rush. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was like during the halftime show, they were the entertainment or something. And they were doing a shopping cart race or something like that. I don't quite remember. But my my dad, the TV station he worked at, he was sent to film it. So my sister and I just went with him. And then, you know, they got to, they were interviewing those guys. And then afterwards, we got to get autographs and talk with them for a while. So, um, yeah, they were, they were really friendly guys. I mean, very canadian you know like yep. you could just talk to them like they weren't celebrities and they were friendly and they signed stuff and chatted and then another time um um ricky sorry randy and mr Leahy mm -hmm. came into the store that i worked at in edmonton and they were on tour in edmonton doing one of their their kind of like live performances mm-hmm and in the daytime, they like to go putzing around at antique shops because John Dunsworth, who played Mr. Leahy, his daughter, Sarah, who played Sarah in the show, mm -hmm. in real life, owns an antique shop somewhere in Nova Scotia. So he would always just go poke around it in antique shops, you know, I guess maybe mildly looking for stuff to bring home for her. I'm not clear. And once I recognized them, I couldn't tell if he was acting or if that is just who he was because he was doing the whole Mr. Leahy bit. Yeah. And I was like, did they cast this guy in the show because this is what he's always like? Or is he just <laughs> doing this for my entertainment? I don't know what's going on here, but it's entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have autographs from all of them. And I've met all of them, uh, the, the five main guys, anyways. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my um, that's my trailer park boy story. But I wish that they had more continuity between the seasons and the movies. It has always bothered me. Yeah, I agree. Um, my I had a friend that met uh, Julian, Ricky, and and Bubbles because I think they were in Edmonton for one of the Bear Halloween Howlers or something. Yeah, yeah, they they do a lot of like, you know, they're not very expensive celebrities to get to come to your events, so they do a yeah. lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and my friend went to that, and he said the whole time Julian, like just like he is in 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 real in the show, uh, always had a rum and coke in his hand, like he never put it down. Um, and they just refilled his glass whenever it got low, and um, 
I, this friend also, he was a big Trailer Park Boys fan. Because um, I had never seen the first season, and this was before streaming, um, so they weren't airing the first season or whatever, so I never got to see it. Um, but he told me, like, his favorite scene from season one is when Ricky and Julian roll their car. Um, yeah. They roll it, and then when you see Julian crawl out of the car, he's still got his rum and coke. And, it's, yeah. and it never spills. It's <laughs> yeah. so... Such a dumb gag, but yeah. man, did they ever push it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Excellent. Um, I agree. I, I hate when, when, when they rewrite stuff. Um, so Lillian, what's first up on your list? Okay. So when you immediately posted this, I started thinking of like so many different like things. And, and what I remember the first time I ever had this issue where I was like, I love this so much, but there's something so backwards with what they're doing was when CSI first aired Mm, and I love CSI and I'm, excuse me. Um, I need to stop drinking soda pop. It just makes me burp, but um, CSI crime scene investigators and we had to Grissom and, and all of them. And it was awesome. But then I'll, I'll, I'll never forget when I read an article saying, um, I, I, I guess it was an actual CSI or someone like that was like, I hate this show mm-hmm. because we do not do this. We do not carry guns. We do not interview people. We do not catch criminals. So there's a whole bunch of people that want to suddenly become CSIs and they're stuck in a lab all day. And they're just like, this is not like the TV show. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, so, so what other shows do this? And I'm like, okay, so now I'm pretty sure that three quarters of the shows that I love that are it is not the same job when you're a detective or when you're a police officer. We all know that you suspend a level of disbelief on these shows, yeah. but CSI has always stuck with me. That's always, I love that show. I love all the spinoffs, but just the fact that this is someone decided to take a job that is nothing like a job and be like, this is the job. No, it's not, but it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I think, I uh, think I might've read the same article. Cause I remember, I remember reading that and being like, huh, that's kind of, you know, kind of disappointing you know like but then when when you think about it it's like yeah why would lab people be out doing detective work why would they be interviewing suspects why would they be in the danger zones like why would a person who runs a microscope suddenly be chasing down a bad guy in the middle of the night like um i mean it makes for good tv yeah but it's definitely not like actually one of the games I play right now. One of the char- one of the people who plays one of uh, one of the characters in this RPG, they are a CSI. Mm. And I re- I think I asked them that it must have been a couple months ago when they were saying what their job was because right now is their busy season, which makes me chuckle because I'm like your busy season is literally not fun. Uh, but they're not. I was like, so do you ever? She's like, no, don't even ask. <laughs> I got stopped before I even got a sentence out. I'm like, have you ever? No. Yeah. Know what I was say. No. You never track down a serial killer. What? You don't own your because, like, especially since when you think of the show, um, there was Brass who was their like their police officer, their their human, so they had their own people in the departments that they reported to. And no, that's no. Yeah. That's not how it works. But uh, that's one of the ones because I love that I will watch it forever. But in the back of my head, I have to be constantly remind myself like this is not the job. Yeah, they would never actually be doing this in real life. Um, I like also I think it might have been the same article that was talking about this. And yeah, this was years ago. This was when CSI first came out, and it was like everyone was watching it. It was the hit show. 
um, that the real people, like CSI experts and stuff, they were saying, like, this is more more like a science fiction show than mm-hmm. an actual cop show. Because some of the things that they do to solve these cases, some of the technologies and stuff, don't exist. No, well, fingerprinting does not take five minutes. It doesn't even take an hour or two. It takes days. Like, yeah. The systems are not that fast. And some of the some of the toys they use, it reminds me of, like, in the Batcave, um, the 1960s one, where they had, like, the buttons and stuff. And you're like, that's a repurposed vacuum cleaner. That's an old, like, yep. this. And it's, it's just, no. Yeah. Um, and that took me out of watching, uh, cause I, like, I, I'm a Law and Order fan, but I also know Law and Order, it doesn't, it's not all, you know, we, we catch the guy, he goes to trial right away, yeah. you know, there's a verdict right away, no, like that, like, it's, it's going to be years. So, you know, I do suspend that disbelief for Law and Order, but I couldn't for, uh, special victims unit because like they do a lot of the like kind of like CSI like they have like the big computer now mm-hmm. where oh you know enhance that image let you know let's see who this guy you know who the murderer really is and it's like no they can't do that like if if the camera doesn't actually have HD capabilities you you're not going to be able to clear up that picture like that at that yeah. point it becomes science fiction um it's actually a really good point. Um, it literally does become science fiction because it is not in any way, shape, or term. Like most people, most businesses don't have cameras that can do that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, having had to deal with um, the court system, it was about. It must have been at least ten years ago now. Um, and we there was a really, it's just terrible stuff. That some some stuff that went on with some friends and, and mm-hmm. family. And um, it went to court. And I know, I don't know if it's the same in the States, because in Canada, it's you're innocent until proven guilty. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in the courtroom, watching the judge read the verdict after it had been a year. And then it was, it had to go to pretrial where it had to prove there was a point for a case. And then it went to trial and and the judge actually looked at the victim and was like, it is not that I don't believe you. It's that I have to have you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. And I don't have that level of confidence. Like I have some doubts and it's nothing against you. I just cannot convict without us. Like it has to be a hundred percent. And in my brain, I'm thinking, dang, that's not how it happens. Like if it's, if it's with a jury, it's one thing, but there was no jury. It literally was just the judge was like, I'm sorry. I, I just can't. Yeah. Yep, and the the fact that, you know, like some of the, on these cop shows too, like sometimes the cops aren't doing things by procedure, and, and a lot of times that's how things get tossed. But you don't really mm-hmm. see that, you know, on those shows. Like they always justify it somehow. Or if, if it is tossed out, they find a different way to, you know, convict the person. And uh, that's, I guess I appreciate the shows where they do end up you know, there's actions, there's consequences. And there are sometimes the SVU where a case happens and it doesn't get resolved. And then, like, they carry that arc into the next year or something like that. Like, it, I do appreciate those moments where it actually is realistic. Because I mm-hmm. think because of shows like that, people have an unrealistic expectation of what happens mm-hmm. if you ever are in a situation where you're dealing with an abuse or a crime. They expect the number of times I've heard people ask about fingerprinting when their car has been broken into. And I'm like, they don't do that. 
Yeah. They're not yeah, going to they don't, they don't care. <laughs> they don't know. They're not going to go and like survey the scene. They're not yeah. going to go. Uh, unless yeah. someone's murdered in your car, it's not getting fingerprinted. Exactly. Yeah, they, like, don't, they just don't care. It's, it's definitely, definitely different. And I think in some ways it, it's created a society that is rather callous because we just automatically assume they're not doing their jobs. And sometimes I wonder if that was ever the way they did their jobs. Well, and also on the shows like like Law and Order, for example, uh, like the detectives, like they're they're working that case, and then you know they hand it off to the DA, then they're taking on another case. Whereas in real life, a lot of those detectives are juggling like ten or fifteen cases at once, yeah, minimum. Uh, sometimes, so. Yeah, because it's only when it's like a really big case that they'll say you're only on this case, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, like, okay, we have a serial killer and we're in an election cycle. Yeah, you're only on this case. Yeah. But normally, like yeah, they they're, work they're juggling days. many different cases. So, I mean, they're just like any other job. They have limited number of hours in a day to do so many things. Yeah. yeah. So. Excellent. Um, all right. Well. The next one on my list, my number two, um, I'm going with Star Trek The Next Generation, The Bridge. Um, <laughs> so there's a, there's, a couple, there's a couple things. Um, so my, <laughs> something that always bugged me is, I, like, because in, in TNG they, they tell you, you know, this is the most advanced ship in the fleet, you know, it's state of the art, blah, blah, blah. But why is the bridge so simple? Like, when you go back to the original series, you know, even, you know, the old 60s series, their bridge, there was way more stations, there was way more people on that bridge than there is on this bridge, on TNG, which is a bigger ship. So that always bugged me. Um, and there's two different reasons for it. There's an uh, in-universe reason, and then there's an out-of-universe reason. The in-universe reason, and I... I think this might have came from the technical manual. I'm not sure. Um, was that because the Enterprise is the flagship of the Federation, they wanted to keep the bridge simple because they would be hosting dignitaries, uh, heads of state would be coming aboard, they would be doing diplomatic missions. So they wanted the bridge to appear um, comfortable and not threatening. Um so that's why you had the carpet, why you had the wood grain, um, you, you know, fewer people um, on the bridge at all times. So no that, seat belts. Yeah. So so that was the reasoning, right? You know, for because it's the flagship. The out of universe reasoning is because it's television. Because when you have more people, like extras on set. Um, and, like, you have to, re you know, say you're doing a scene and one of the actors screws up his line, then you have to reset. And a lot of times they just do it on the fly, right? Like, right now. Like, you know, they'll they'll screw up a line and then they'll say it again immediately after and that's where they'll, they'll cut it. So if you have extras, too many extras in the background, that's when you're going to see people... That's when pe things are going to slip up. When you're going to have extras doing things... Um, not in sequence with what they had previously done, and then people will notice, and people will nitpick, and they'll realize there was a cut there. So the less extras you have, 
the more, you know, the easier it is for editing. Um, so that's the, the production reason. Um, but the, the, you know, like when they did the yesterday's enterprise, like when they redid the bridge, that was my favorite. I was like, this is the way the bridge should look. There should be, you know, uh, uh, stations on either side. Um, you don't really need Riker sitting beside Picard or, or a counselor. Like, you know, you just need a captain's chair in the middle. Uh, and there should be stations everywhere. So, honestly, I was thinking about this. And they should I, be wearing seatbelts. Yeah, that too. <laughs> what? I think that was a. I think that was a scene, a cut scene from Star Trek Nemesis, where Picard's new chair has has like emergency seatbelts. And then he has a line like, "Why didn't we do this twenty years ago?" Um, which was funny. Um, but my favorite bridge, I think, was the Enterprise B bridge because I liked. Um, you know, that they had stations behind the captain's seat and stations in front, and then they had the mm -hmm. circular uh, design. But another thing to add to this bridge debate, and it's not just the Enterprise D, it's all Star Trek Starfleet vessels. Why would you put your bridge on the top of the ship? Like, if I'm a Romulan commander, I'm thinking, you know, decloak, shoot the bridge. You know, hopefully they don't get their, you know, if they don't get their shields up in time, you can destroy their bridge and ship's yours. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, you know. Um, Battlestar Galactica, the, I want, it's not the, I want to say the new Battlestar Galactica, but it's almost 20 years old now. Um, the, two, yeah. the 2004 series, they had the best bridge, I think, because. It was the most believable. The most believable yeah. because it was literally in the heart of the ship. So, you know, when, when, you know, the Cylons or whatever shooting their, their nu nukes or whatever at the ship, um, they're not going to be taking out the bridge because the bridge is the heart of any ship. It's, you know, like I understand a ship on the sea, like, you know, like a battleship or whatever, your bridge has to be topside. They got, you know, you need the windows. Um, you know, that's just for, for a ship that's traveling the seas, you need, your bridge has to be on the top but if you're in space it can be anywhere and it should be really in the heart of the ship because if you know like i said you know if uh, um like for example like uh what's his name general chang yeah, that, you know, well you raise you raise a really good point if you were going into combat against the star trek enterprise once you got their shields disabled yeah, you would know where their bridge is, and that would be your first target. Well, I mean, that's where, like... They, uh, they don't really I, I, ever do... They don't really do that in the shows. No, I, I mean, that's where... Um, I was going to say uh, General Chang, but it's actually Lursum Bator in, in Star Trek Generations. Um, just before they were destroyed, you know, they you know they said target their bridge, you know? Like, why didn't you target their bridge to begin with? Yeah, you you would either want to hit their you'd either want to hit their warp core to yep. try to make it blow up, which would take out the whole ship, or you'd want to potentially disable their engines or destroy the bridge. Like those are you're right; those are the three most logical targets. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I'm, the bridge would be super exposed. Yeah, like it doesn't make any sense to have uh a bridge on the top of the ship. Like I know in the original series, like when the view screen wasn't being used, it was a window. 
Um, but on the next generation, it was just a screen. Uh, even if it was showing up the outside of the ship, it was still a, a picture you were seeing. You weren't seeing a window. Um, so what, like, why would, wouldn't you have it like in the heart of the ship? Like you're just asking for, for a Romulan or, or whoever just to, to kill you. Easy. But so anyway, those are the, t the two things about TNG that always bug me. And I, I actually liked the Voyager bridge. I um, I liked all the different stations and stuff. I just didn't like that the first officer and captain's seats were side by side. That always kind of bugged me. I Like, the captain should be the center of the ship. You know, like, Chakotay can have a chair too, but have it off to the side. Like, he doesn't need to be, you know, sitting side by side with Captain Janeway. But I've also been told, I've, uh, again, I don't know if this is how accurate this is i think this was an in universe explanation um captains when they take you know when they take uh, a bridge like when they take a ship like if it's brand new ship they get, basically get to decide how their bridge layout's going to be so basically picard chose his bridge the way he, he did like he wanted Riker or his first officer on his side he wanted a counselor seat he wanted it simple Janeway wanted her first officer sitting beside her, so that's why the Voyager Bridge was the way it was. Um, okay. But they have the option of choosing a different layout if they want. So, like in Star Trek, Nem or uh, sorry, sorry, Star Trek First Contact, like Picard still kind of kept that, you know, where he had um, his first officer and a, and a seat for a counselor, but you know, at his sides. Um, but they went with the circular bridge, I think. For the, the in-universe reason was because of the the Borg, you know, like they were Starfleet was changing their ships to be more combat uh, capable and less, um, you know, explore ish. Uh, that's why, like in, in Star Trek Nemesis and and Forward, or sorry, Star Trek First Contact and Forward, why the ship designs were more, you know. Uh, they weren't as as simple and pleasing, I guess. They were more warlike because of the Borg threat. So, but anyway, that is number two on my list. Uh, Ragnar, number two on your list, sir. Okay, so number two on my list sort of relates to what we were discussing earlier um, with Lillian. So, I really liked as an example. I really liked the show Longmire. I don't know if either of you watched it. I want it, to. I, I love Katie Sackhoff. So. Oh, it, it's a really good show. Yeah, um, I've heard. Based on a book series, I've never read the books, but the show was awesome. Um, and it's, so it's about a, a detective, Not sorry, not a detective, a sheriff of a small town yep. um, in, in Wyoming, but one of the things that irked me after a while is basically every episode somebody gets murdered and he has to solve the crime. Mm -hmm. Now, there are bigger plots and there are overarching storylines and stuff, but almost every episode this happens. And I was like, I know the States is a more violent culture than Canada and th their crime rate is higher 
partially because their population is higher. Yeah. But in a small town, does somebody really get murdered every <laughs> week? Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, it always gets wrapped up neatly by the end of the episode. Yep. And that kind of thing, after a while, does get get on your nerves because you're like, this is so unbelievable that, you know, regular as clockwork, every week somebody gets murdered and it's a complete mystery who did it and we have to go solve it. Well, a lot of times in in murder, you know who did it. The wife dies, it was probably the husband you know, the husband dies, it's a good chance it was the wife. The guy in the biker gang dies, good chance it was the rival biker gang. Like, yeah, they have to go out and prove these things. But a lot of times in murders, like a lot of the murders, they have a pretty good idea who did it at, you know, right from the start. So, you know, that show did that. And, and after a while, you're like, yeah, this is kind of unbelievable. And I And I was thinking about it. And especially in a show like Longmire, well, there's so many other crimes that also happen that you could explore, and they could be just as interesting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be murder. Murder. Yeah. You know, what about rape? What about sexual assault? What about cattle, like cattle rustling? What about fraud? Like, what about all the other crimes that happen that yep. don't involve murder? We did, They just don't get investigated? Only the murders do? Anyways, that's it's nitpicking and it and it kind of relates to what you guys were talking about, so we don't need to talk it to death. But but it is a pet peeve of mine, and I I think it comes down to you know the, the showrunners are trying to make the show interesting and exciting, and murder is interesting and exciting. But I think if your characters are good enough, you could have them do anything, and it could still be interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, and you could have crimes that aren't murder, but they could still be interesting, and they could still be presented in a way that is exciting and and full of action and energy. Um, so th- that's just a complaint of mine, and I I would say overall, with the exception of perhaps Star Trek Discovery, that most television writing has improved over the last decade. And we are getting to the point where I generally prefer TV shows to movies simply because they have the time to develop everything more. Yep. Um, but there are certain tropes, like, and that's one of them that definitely grate on me a little. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen Lawnmire. I, I do want to watch it because I've been told it's, I, I it's good. I think you'd really like it, man. Yeah. yeah. I think you'd and, really like it. And like I said, I got a big crush on Katie Sackhoff. So, uh, you know, she's oh, amazing. Oh, and she, she's, you know... She's her typical kick-ass self in, in Longmire. So. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like I I I can I totally agree with what what you were saying because other shows do that too. Like um like Sons of Anarchy. That was one of the reasons why I stopped watching the show is because how many people can be murdered in the small town and like nothing really is hap you know it's just kind of brushed aside. Like that kind of bugged me about that. Um. And then also there's this, uh, I can't remember where, but there like this, um, one of these, I don't know what to call it, but, uh, uh, a fan theory, uh, speaking of, you know, all these murders happening, uh, murder, she wrote, you got Jessica Fletcher, 
uh, you know, she happens to be wherever she is, either her small town, I can't remember what it's called, or she's, you know, off somewhere. Someone gets murdered, and she happens to be around. So she, you know, she helps solve the, the case. So the fan theory is that Jessica Fletcher is actually a serial killer, and she's just really good at directing the blame to other people and actually convincing other people to take the rap for it. Hmm. So well, that's fun. Yeah, a little, little sweet old Jessica Fletcher. Like, who knew? Like, well, I know it's just a fan theory, but it makes you think, you know. Like, yeah, how how many sweet old ladies, you know, not not only um, she writes murder novels, and then she is surrounded by murders. You know, murders just happen all around her. Um, coincidence? Yeah, probably. You know, it's a TV show from the 80s, 90s. But um, that was one of the fan theories that I heard was that she's actually a serial killer. So, Anywho, uh, Lillian, number two on your list. Ah, this one's hard. Um, so I didn't actually... This was a huge trend when I was a long, long time ago, and it still is now. They just remade a movie. But um, I haven't. So it was Sex in the City. Um, I only ever caught episodes here and there, and I was like, mm-hmm. man, these people need help. But mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was the fact that Sarah Jessica's partner, like her, her character, wrote for a newspaper, and the, the salary that she got would not pay for. Oh, her. yeah. Hey, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it would not cover her apartment. It would not cover her $600 heels. The salary of a, a, a person who wrote an article, even when it, the, in the series her article was very popular, would not cover her wardrobe. It's not a thing. Yeah. And um, I remember watching that because this was the time where everyone wanted to aspire to – everybody wanted a pair of those shoes. Like everybody wanted heels. It was all about the brand names. Mm-hmm. Um, Manolo mm-hmm. Blahniks was everything. Um, and I remember reading an article talking about people suddenly wanting to – just like with CSI, you, you know, it's funny. People are sheep. But, um, you know, you all of a sudden people are like, oh, I want to be an editor. I want to write a cool column or I want to be like edgy. I want to talk to people. Yeah. And yet you make no money doing it. Yep. Um, and and I remember watching it and I, I had such a hard time after reading that. Like I loved I love some of the characters. I, I mean, I honestly um, one of my favorite TV shows. Um, having a moment, pulling it. Uh, it's a it's a fireman. Oh, Anyways, one of the main characters, so he ends up married to one of them. He's got another TV show. He's in Replays a Fireman, and I just love him so much. And I, I actually really like a lot of the supporting cast for Sex and the City more than I actually like the cast of Sex and the City. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I, I enjoy some of the episodes, but that was one of the things where I remember watching it going, you know, it would make sense if she was like, and maybe if she was like the senior editor, or if she was like someone super, super important, but just to be a columnist? Yep. She's not bankrolling that lifestyle with that. She's doing a little something, something on the side, you know. Yep. Um, I, 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 like, I know of Sex and the Say. I've never actually watched it, but yeah, I, I know what you're talking about because I know, mm-hmm. uh, those trends. Yeah, like they're they're a big thing, 
And yeah, they do. Well, they if you think. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say, like, um, ironically, it, it kind of leads into the next segment <clears throat> later on. But when you think of people in, in, in TV shows where they have, like, houses, and you're like, how are you affording this? Yep. Yep. Well, yeah, it's, it's like, like um, when you watch Home Alone now. Yeah, what I was going to say. Kevin's dad do to That was on my list like of that. properties. Like, we yeah. were talk about, um, yeah, I'm like the Home Alone house. I was literally going to say that. Not not just the fact that how can he afford a house that big, but he has, like, how many kids? And not only that, but he's flying them all to, mm-hmm. where, where are they going, France or whatever? The first year was France, and I'm like, wow, how does this work? Yeah. The Griswold house makes more sense than that house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Um, all right, so we've reached... The lightning round. Um, <laughs> so we're just going to throw out quick picks or, or honorable mentions, whatever you want to call it, um, for this lightning round. So uh, for the lightning round, I got three that I'm going to throw out there real quick or quickish, I guess. Um, Babylon 5 is one of my favorite TV shows. I love Babylon 5. I call it the other Star Trek because. Um, it feels like a, a like a cousin to Star Trek. Um, I highly recommend it. But I know a lot of people have a hard time getting into it because of the special effects are not very good. Oh, they're pretty um, bad, man. Yeah, even even by '90s standards, they were you know even like at Deep, the time they were bad. Yeah, like Deep Space Nine was doing way better in terms of special effects uh, than Babylon Five was, and they were both they both aired at the same time. But I tell people. You know, just kind of—I don't know—I I, I look past it now. Like I like the special special effects don't really bother me as much. Um, but I know for someone watching it for the first time, like I fell in love with Babylon Five because back then there wasn't like all the science fiction that there is now. Like back then there was like when D- Babylon Five mm-hmm. aired, um, TNG was in its seventh season when Babylon 5's first season came on, and Deep Space Nine was in its second season. And that was kind of it. Like, there was there was that Time Track show that came out, I think it only lasted a season. What there about was... that? What was that one? Uh, where they, they like, jumped, <clears throat> jumped time stuff. Sliders. Sliders. Yeah. Oh. That was a good show. Yeah. Or at least at the kid, it was a good show. Yeah. But I mean, back back then, you know, sci- you know, especially space science fiction shows were few and far between. Um, so I I I tell people, you know, like if you can just grin and bear it, the story is awesome, and it, it's such a good show. Um, so that that's an honorable mention. I you know I love Babylon Five. Um, another one is in uh, Game of Thrones. Um, I do love the first four seasons. Um, you know, season five. When they were following the book. Yeah. yeah, season five wasn't bad, season six wasn't bad, and then season seven and eight were crap. But um, something that always bothered me right from day one is, like, I'm Canadian. Like, all of us on, on tonight are Canadian. Um, we live in a northern climate. Uh, I know the importance of wearing a toque in you know minus 40 conditions um if you're not wearing something to cover your head you are going to freeze 
Um, your ears will freeze, and you will die. Um, <laughs> and nobody, except for the phrase, the phrase where these, you know, toques, uh, but no one else in Westeros and in the north and beyond the wall, nobody wears toques. And I'm like, like John, like, yeah, I realize Jon Snow's got the long hair and everything, but his ears would freeze. They would freeze. Um, like you have to cut, you know, and I understand it's a Hollywood thing. You know, you can't cover your actor's faces. It's like, you know, why does Spider-Man always take his mask off in the movie? Because, you know, you got to see that it's Tom Holland. Um, because it could be anybody, you know, in the suit. So they have to sh prove that it's Tom Holland. So it, that always bugged me about Game of Thrones was that, you know, especially up north, because we're told like, you know, beyond the wall, basically beyond the wall is like the Arctic in, in what, what in Canada, right? Like it's so cold, you know, you'll freeze quickly. And yet, you know, Jon Snow's running around without a toque on. I'm thinking to myself, that guy's ears are going to freeze off. And I know because when I was 10 years old, I froze my ears. Um, it's not fun. It sucks. It's not good. Um, hypothermia is a real thing. I never had hypothermia, but, you know, like, you know, if, if you're not covered, even your hands, you know, like, if, if you're not covering your fingers, like, they'll freeze. Um... And I don't know if it's just because I'm Canadian that I'm picking up on this. Um, but yeah, that, that always bothered me. And last but not least, Batman's sidekick, Robin, has the worst disguise of any superhero. Which um, Robin? Any of them. Uh, they just wear that mask over their eyes. It's like, how, how could you not tell that that's, not, that's Dick Grayson? Like if anything, that's same thing. that bothers me too. But the the <laughs> the Robin, like I've kind of softened on the Clark Kent thing because of I don't know if you've ever read or or watched All Star Superman. Because um, in All Star Superman, like Grant Morrison kind of explained it a little bit that um, when he's Clark Kent, he slouches, so he looks heavier than he actually is. And Superman is always vibrating. So if anyone takes a picture of of him as Clark Kent, he'll just be a blur. Like they won't you won't you know, actually that makes sense. That that I accept. Yeah. <gasps> so so that kinda was like, oh okay. You know, so any like because you know, like in modern times, so like you know, vo uh facial recognition, that kind of thing won't work because he's always vibrating, so he just seems a blur. Whereas, like, Dick Grayson, or who, if it's Tim Drake, uh, Jason Todd, Damian Wayne, wearing that little mask, like, like how, how, how has this identity not been revealed? And if anything, it's a deterrent to, uh, for Batman. Well, not a deterrent, but uh, a hindrance for Batman. Um, because people are going to say, hey, you know, Bruce Wayne has a ward that's about the same age as Robin. You know, and he kind of looks well, like. That's why. Have you seen Titans? Because in Titans, they know who all of them are. So. Yeah, well, I I watched the first season, but I haven't actually. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, that always bugged me. Even as a kid, I'm like, how do people not realize? Um, you know, you, you, when Dick Grayson in the comic books, like when he becomes Nightwing, he still doesn't put on a mask. He still has that little mask around his eyes. It's like wear a helmet or something, like. <laughs> 
you know? Unless you, unless you're doing it on Titans where you're just getting rid of your secret identity altogether. And that's like, okay. You know? But anyway, that's what yeah, I had no, for, a, for Lightning Round. Yeah. yeah um, those, are some, those are some solid arguments. Thank you. Uh, Ragnar, what do you have for uh, the Lightning Round? Well, I, I really hate it in shows and movies when you have characters that never take off their armor. So every show has been bad for this. Like, you're watching Game of Thrones and you see Brienne of Tarth. Yep. And she's wearing her armor. Everywhere she goes all day long. And then she goes to sleep in it. Have you ever worn armor? <laughs> it's not comfortable. It's fucking uncomfortable. And not just because it's heavy, but it's uncomfortable. It's rigid. It does not bend the way you want it to bend for everything. And it's cold. And then if it's really hot outside and sunny, then it becomes super hot. It is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You would not wear it all the time unless you were expecting attack. And when you went to sleep, unless you were exhausted... You would not sleep in your armor. And if you were so exhausted that you did, you'd wake up half an hour later and take it off. Yep. So that that's always drives me nuts in shows. Now, the one exception to that, I would say, is in the Mandalorian show, because they've very strongly suggested that they always wear their armor. And they don't take it off. Like, they, they say that about the helmets, or at least, yep. you know the cult that, that Din Djarin is in. Yeah. But they intimate, too, that you don't take your armor off either. But, yeah, it drives me nuts when I see that. I'm like, armor is super uncomfortable. You you know how when you come home from work, one of the first things you do is you take off your work clothes and you put on comfier clothes? Yep. Well, armor makes your work clothes look like comfy clothes. So... It always drives me nuts. And there's lots of historical accounts of armies and and single people being caught off guard not wearing their armor mm-hmm. and being you know, killed because of it. But the reality is you just wouldn't wear it except when you were expecting to need it because well, it's, it's uncomfortable. A lot of the time it took a lot of work. You need to have people to help you get into it. Well, and, yeah, and depending on, on what kind of armor you have, you may not be able to put it on or off by yourself much less wear it all day and run around and do everything. I'm not I'm not saying you can't do those things because armor would be useless if you couldn't move in it. If you couldn't run in it and you couldn't stand up and you couldn't sit down and all those things it would be useless. But you just wouldn't wear it all the time. You would have your own clothes or clothes underneath it that you would wear. Yeah. And you'd only put it on when you were expecting expecting to need it because yeah it's super uncomfortable so that always drives me nuts um because yeah it's just not a reality yeah i i agree like especially like yeah uh in the game of thrones sense uh i do buy it a little bit with the mandalorian because it's science fiction so yeah like he might have some sort of cooling system set up because like when he takes his helmet off it makes that sound like that darth vader's 
yeah, yeah made. It, su- it suggests that it's airtight. Yeah, that that yeah, like maybe there's some cooling going on there or something. So, but that that uh, did you have anything else for your uh, honorable mentions? No, no, that's just I'm good with that. Excellent. No, that was a good one. That was a good one. Absolutely. Um, Lillian, what what do you have for uh, honorable mentions in the lightning round? All right, so I've got uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, most of the fact because we don't talk about season four. Um, and so many things, like there should technically, if she died the first time when we got a Slayer, then technically when she died again, we should have gotten another Slayer. And there should be, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the, the whole if the Slayer dies thing, it, it, they kind of, there's so many different things that have gone backwards and forwards that just kind of, yeah... But I think it's one of my favorite shows. That it, but if you actually put together all the lore from all the different seasons, there's just so many little things that you're like, no, no, that's not, that's not actually, that's not how that works. Um, but I love it anyways. And I mean, it's it's definitely not Twilight, so I'm grateful for that. Even though they're looking at remaking Twilight, but we're not going to talk about that. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but. I know we don't talk about season four. It was bad. So we don't need super soldiers. Um, and then my number two is uh, the TV show Due South. Um, mm. I love that show. I love everything about it. But it always bugged me, the thought of a Mountie working in Chicago, because Canadian laws and American laws are not the same. Yep. And uh, a Canadian <laughs> yeah. Mountie cannot just go and work in a police. St- like, I understand he was supposed to be on loan and there was some kind of a jurisdiction thing. But even then, there it was. It's not the same. That's not actually how it works. That and he always wore his uh, dress uniform. Yep, he always wore his dress uniform. He was never out of it, and he was always such like they made him like a Dudley Do Right kind of thing. Yep. Like Love, Brendan Fraser pieces. That's such a bad movie. But um, it was always like a Canadian's such a do gooder, and you can't offend my source of morality, and like. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, you're adorable. Yes, we love you. Yes, Canadians are awesome. Oh, my gosh. No, we, we do. No, just stop acting like no. Yep. You little sweet little virgin Canadian. So. Yep. But the, I remember the legal side of it always used to drive me insane because at the same time, Canada and America were very different, but we are similar in some ways. We do have laws that are similar. So um, when he would be get so confused at how they do things, and I'm like. <laughs> No, no, that, we, we do have we, we do have something similar in Canada. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why Americans think we're so strange if they've ever seen that. Yep. Well, I, um, I, I, that that's a good one because uh, yeah, I remember when that was originally airing. I remember that always that always bugged me too. Even though I didn't watch it, I was like, you know, whenever I'd see a commercial for it, and he's always you know wearing his red dress uniform, and I'm like, they don't do that. Like you know, like unless it's like a you know you're um, at a ceremony, at a ceremony or, or, or uh, whatever, like you're not yeah, busting your, bad guys. It's your parade clothes. Yeah. You well, don't and wear ironically, that um, my ex-husband day. was British and he was obsessed with Due South. And so when he came to Canada, he was over the moon the first time he was at a Remembrance Day, and he got to see a Mountie in uniform. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So uh, when when that was airing, I did uh, like because we had. Uh, at our school, we had like a a constable that would come in, and like we mm-hmm. we had like a Crime Stoppers program. 
um, for a couple. I was actually the president of the Crime Stoppers program uh, in high school. Cool. Uh, there's only three. Of, there was only three of us, so it wasn't like it was, you know, a big deal. But I guess it's it looked good on a resume. Um, but anyway, uh, I, that was one of the things I asked him. I'm like, do you guys wear your dress uniform when you're like busting bad guys, or you know, nope. That does not happen. Unless someone's committing a crime at a ceremony, then yeah, we would. But otherwise, no, we're wearing our normal uniforms. Um, but one thing I did ask Which them... Which are actually pretty heavy, by the way, because they add an extra 30 pounds. So. Yeah. Um, but at the, uh, at the same time when Due South was airing, uh, there was also another Canadian... Uh, well, I, I think Due South was made in Canada. But anyway, there was a, a Canadian show made in Alberta called North of 60... Um, the, yes. that was airing, yeah. uh, at the same time. And on that show, cause it, it was filmed in Alberta, but it takes place in the Northwest territories. Uh, the constables on that show, uh, would wear blue jeans with their uniforms. And I remember asking, uh, the constable at our school, like, why would they, you know, why would they be wearing blue jeans? That's not realistic. And he's like, actually they would be wearing blue jeans. Um, because, uh, the, the pants that RCMP wear can't, you can't throw them in a washing machine, right? Like they have to be, uh, I don't know if it's just dry clean only or, or whatever, but they can't just be washed like normal pants. Um, so at the distant outposts that don't have like a dry cleaning facility, uh, they do wear jeans and they would only wear their RCMP pants like at an official, you know, like if they were you know, at an official function, like at, at a court or, um, you know, whatever, you know, doing a presentation or something, they would wear it then, but because they're, you know, they you know, they can't clean them. They would only wear them sparingly. And in those instances, they would wear jeans, um, normally. So I was like, Oh, okay. Okay, That's actually really cool. Yeah. Well, it makes sense because, uh, you know, uh, Lynx river, that's the town that, uh, the, the series is set in they're like, it's a fly in community. Like they don't have anywhere to take dry cleaning, you know? Um, mo- most people don't even have washing machines. Like they have to wash things by hand because there's no, no running water. So, yeah. So anyway, that, that was something that did bug me back in the nineties. But then when I talked to this RCMP constable that came over school, I found out no that there's actually a, a there's a logical reason behind it. So, you guys um, are awesome. Lil, Lillian, did you have anything else to add or? Um, no, I'm just gonna finish that there. I mean, because I was like, the only other thing that was on my list was um, not really. It's funny because I never I only watched the first little bit when it came to the surprise ending. When it came to finding out originally who Gossip Girl was, uh, if you ever watched the ending of Gossip Girl. And you end up ever rewatching Gossip Girl, you are not going to be able to watch it because knowing who it is, every single time that character is shocked or destroyed or completely and utterly like enraged, you're like, "But it's you. What are you doing?" But did the, the I wonder if that actress knew, she you know actor. or actor. Um, actor. Okay, I've never watched Gossip Girl, but yeah, no, like, it's, uh, it's yeah. really weird. I have also never watched it. I, I wonder if, yeah. if, if they knew that they were the the person or if 
not. Something definitely to ask because it's one of those moments where you're thinking maybe they added it later on because in some of the other seasons, it just doesn't make sense that they're so upset. Yeah. Because they wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I could definitely see that being being a problem for sure. All right. Um, I think we can call this an episode of the Pop Culture Pub. Uh, but before... But before we go, let's play that little game of where we can find you on the internet. And Lillian, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Talking Squirrel. That's without an A, so it's T-L-K, not T-A-L-K. <laughs> Come and talk to me. Come talk to your squirrel. So, Excellent. That's where you can find me. Yep. Good. It's always good to talk to squirrels. Um, uh, Ragnar, uh, where can we find you, sir? Well, uh, RagnarTheTrader.com is my main website, and I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and Etsy as RagnarTheTrader. And, and I'm and I'm not knocking talking to squirrels because I talk to my dog and my cats all the time, like they're real people. Oh, gosh. I mean they are real. I they have, are real, but I have so many conversations with my cat. If somebody yeah. was to bug my house, they would think I was insane. My my uh, my friend used to call me Doctor Doolittle. Because I, I would sit there and have a conversation with with my dogs and my cats, and he would he would think I was nuts. But then they would do things that he's like, did that cat actually just understand what you said? And I'm like, I, I think so. <laughs> I, I definitely get a read on animals. Like people people are you know like are surprised like when I just get animals. I don't know. Maybe I'm Doctor Doolittle. But uh, yeah, man, that's awesome. I just don't have my uh, doctorate. Um, all right. Well, uh, this was an episode of the Pop Culture Pub. This was our flaws in our favorite pop culture. I'm sure we're going to revisit this topic at some point because I, there's so much we could talk about. Um, and unfortunately, Kevin couldn't join us, so hopefully uh, next episode Kevin will be on. Uh, so on behalf of myself, Chris Lockhart, Ragnar and Lillian Kenelson, I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to us ramble on, and we will see you again in the not too distant future. Fight for what's right, fight for your life.